the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. Billion stolen. Blake Hall, CEO of ID.me. At least 50% tells Axios. At least 400 billion of crooked claims have been stolen. In the COVID prevention money slush fund government cheese. G7, soggy bottom Biden. They all meet and they decide to keep the money flow open. Because after all, they are socialists and Keynesians and moreover collectivists who like to think of their citizens as slaves. That's who's meeting there. But yet there is an absence that no one is talking about. The number two economy in the world, China, is not there. Why? Why wouldn't China? You've got seven. You've got the you've got the top seven countries. I mean, Italy is as broke as one of those track bums with yesterday's racing form in his hand, yet they're there. You've got Canada, the pretend America, broke, they're there. The United Kingdom, Queen and her big derriere are the richest people in that country, they're there. You've even got Russia, pretty much Vladimir Putin's little ploy toy. It's there. Why isn't China there? Is it because they released a weapon known as COVID that shut down the world and they're embarrassed? I don't think that. I don't think they're embarrassed about anything. I think they like the fact that they're positioning themselves to win. Or is it because the way that they calculate the largest of these uh, uh, countries is because it's the citizens per capita net worth? And it got me to thinking, see, the Chinese people, although they're touted by so many of those scholars, those NBA basketball guys and the football guys and the pro wrestlers, what they don't understand is that those people are prisoners. And though the country may be the number two most wealthy country on the planet, the people are slaves and prisoners. But that is the Marxist agenda. The government is extremely rich. The people, not so much. So as I read these articles of how Americans now have an appetite to make sure that the federal government of the United States, the most corrupt and judging by the fact they lost $400 billion in their government cheese, the most incompetent organization in America, the most corrupt and the most incompetent organization in this country, they want to give them the power to limit Americans. They want them to use the iron fist of government to make sure Americans do not get out of line and think they can make some of their money. Because after all, is it your money, the money you make, is it yours or is it the government's and they just allow you to pretend you make it? Because if they can move the barriers around on how much of it you get to keep, how is it yours and not theirs? This is a concept that I think translates into all of these morons you see pretending to be statesmen called the G7 in all of the totalitarian governments around the world as their least what is the proper word? As their least achievable, uh, it's the wrong word. As the citizens in these countries who've achieved nothing in the private sector and only the public wield the power to take away every asset you can somehow manage or even worse, limit your ability to acquire and gain more. So this is the idea that we're facing. This is the, the philosophical idea that we're combating. This is the civil war in America. It's not a violent civil war the way that uh, we lost a million 
when Abraham Lincoln deployed the military on on the citizens of his own country. It's the philosophical one that has so much support in this country that 70% of citizens, because of a story that mixed wealth and income together, are now getting out the pitchforks and the torches to go after their fellow citizens in good conscience, rather than understanding only in a country that honors private money is it ever really a wealthy country. The government can pretend to have all the money in the world, like China, number two economy, it's the number two most successful economy on the planet, yet the people are impoverished and enslaved. And I have to listen to morons who throw little balls through hoops and run after each other in their little costumes, tell me what a great place it is and how those people and that ideology of government deserves the exact kind of recognition in a society that a country built on freedom and the individual property rights does, right? That's the place we're at. And you think, okay, this is a problem with the American Democrats. If we, As we've watched over the last 60 years, Those Kennedy Democrats became Republicans, and the rest of those Democrats became communists. They became Soviets. They became Nazis. They became Maoists. That's just what they are. But it's not really the case when 70% of the country says, no, no, no. There has to be a limitation. We cannot have citizens that can produce so much. They wield so much private power, they don't need government. And the most sickening part about it is it hides in the in the corners and in the on, on, in the thresholds of capitalist organizations. This is why I rail against corporatism and I rail against the idea that corporations are so hybrid with the government that they need their blessing to even exist. This is how a society collapses. And this is how generations yet to be born and ones that are just coming in the workforce do not stand a chance of improving their lives. So I always gravitated towards those institutions that were kind of built on capitalism. Now, the one thing about trading, when I was, when I was down there in trading, there were only about 70% of the guys that were actually capitalists. The other 30% were born into it. They were trust fund babies, or they met some girl in college, and they married her, and her father was a big, you know, he owned 12 seats at the mercantile exchange. They had big decks. Those were the scumbags of the world. Those were the ones that were more interested in going up to the office with the hookers and the drugs, and those are the ones that gave it a bad name. But the rest of those guys down there were down there to improve their lives in the most honest bastion of capitalism left at that time, which was trading and other investments. Jim Cramer came out of nowhere, probably around 2002-ish. So I, I bought his first book. Jim Cramer was an interesting guy to me because I had remembered he was a reporter. That's all he was. He was a reporter um, for the New York Stock Exchange. And the next thing you know, he's on CNBC. And he's touting about this one and a bull. And it was like a cartoon character. His show in the beginning was very entertaining. He'd pick stocks and he'd buy stocks, sell stocks. Come to find out when you read his book and when you look into his career, he never really was a trader. He was a reporter who, while on assignment, met a beautiful, lovely, brilliant trader. So his entire persona of him picking stocks and the rest of it, it's a lie. It's, 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 it's a game show. He doesn't know if it's Tuesday or July, just like Joe Biden and just like his ideology. So what Jim Cramer reveals yesterday is something that is the biggest problem in this country. And that is people who do not have the courage like Bernie Sanders. And I mean this, the courage like Elizabeth Warren, the courage like those degenerate Hamas representatives called the squad. At least they come out and they tell you we are, in fact, Marxists and socialists and communists, and we absolutely do not think you deserve to have your property, and we think capitalism is a lie. Jim Cramer hides behind a podium on CNBC with his phony tie on and his BS, and he chants. Well, he revealed himself today, and I want you to hear it. During our conversation in the 7 o'clock hour with Robert Frank about taxes and that ProPublica story, uh, you sent out a very, very provocative tweet. Um, Could you elaborate for the audience who may not have seen it? What you just said about billionaires and wealth taxes. We all know from ProPublica was easy enough to figure out who's a billionaire, right? So why not put a surtax on billionaires? Now, I did not expect... What he's talking about, 
is in fact based on the scandal of an upper echelon, at least one, possibly several IRS agents or bureaucrats or whatever, releasing personal tax forms of individual citizens. This is the report that he bases this philosophy on. This to be uh, all that controversial. I mean, remember, uh, President Lincoln was really the first president who suggested that we do a graduated tax. Really? President Lincoln was the first president to put forward a progressive tax, the number two plank of the Communist Manifesto, and a cornerstone of all tyrannies that want to overthrow the citizens. And what that basically is, is the immoral idea that the more somebody makes, the more you take from them. That's always being able to have the power over him to keep him down. So they want you to know that the same president who released the the troops on the citizens of this country also was a pro-supporter of the progressive income tax. I think that Lincoln would be aghast that these people are paying nothing. And so what you have to do, I mean, there have been certain we've had surtaxes at various times. Have we targeted individuals? Now, there's another fallacy that I want you to think about. When someone is a billionaire, what do you think they do with their day? Do you think they sit at home like an old uh, Norman Rockwell painting and they don't do anything with their money or they sit at home like Ebenezer Scrooge and they count their money? Or do you think that their day from morning to night, constantly during their existence, is spent on improving their assets? They just happen to be focused in that arena of their life and they take their money and they not only buy all kinds of things that we can only hope to, paying taxes on each and every one of them. But they also give that money to other capitalists and other businesses that allow them to expand. So, see, this is the philosophy of an idiot who believes that all money is government's money and that only governments allow you to keep it. Yet what what does government do with the money it takes from these billionaires? What does it do from the money it takes from you bricklayers? What does it do with all the money it has? It loses $400 billion in scams. Let's just start with that one. Aside from how it wastes it and pays off its own friends. No, but we all know that they're billionaires. Do we really have to sit here and just say, you know what, we're helpless? I mean, I think step up in the basis, which you've talked about, the fact that they even have that loophole, is, which is so great for rich people, Andrew. I'm so glad you bring it up. And I know I... The loophole he's speaking of is that they're not taxed on their cumulative wealth. They're taxed on their income, you stupid, bald fraud whose wife made all the money. Pansy that you are. That's the loophole glaze over on it but it's an amazing tax break it's one of the best in the world but we've got to just find a way to say you know what let's just figure okay you're a billionaire we're going to charge you a two percent charge and we're going to come up with a formula which we can do who's that involves all the stock lending that you do where we can they're not they're not billions of billionaires let's come up with something for this small group this small group and let's take their money Now, that's not fascism. That's not communism and Marxism and all kinds of tyranny. Or how about this? It's simply robbery and extortion. And that's that's a commentator on capitalism who pretends to be a capitalist and not a Marxist Democrat. 312-642-5600. I think it's extremely important that citizens are not ruled by government, but have governments that represent them. That's why I love a republic. I love America. I love the concept of it. I also know it's very rare. It's very rare. It's the only country that was really built upon that. The rest have come around to some certain extent. But we're the only one that was built on that concept. In In a country where the government gets to make all of the decisions in all of these other G7 countries, in the other six those governments rule over those people. They make the rules. They, they are in control of the currency. The people don't have representation. They wait around, and they wait for government to tell them what is theirs and how they can operate and live. Now, some people are very happy with that. Some people are very content with that. They like that idea, and they like taking siestas in the middle of the, of the day. And is it that, that the human animal is so covetous, so unhappy, so jealous of everybody who is capable and able to do things that they may think they can't do rather than just trying to do. Have we lost the philosophical argument of liberty, property rights, and a a country where the people get to earn what they keep, no matter how much it is, or, or 
are the Marxists right? And maybe these countries where the riddled in scandal and the corruption is large and the mafias are the governments. Maybe this is just the way to go and we should just give up simply on this dream. After all, there's a group of people out there that want me to believe 81 million people voted for soggy bottom Biden and they want covetous, delusional Marxists and communists and socialists to set the rules. After all, I heard Jim Cramer. He said, we, we should come up with a way and a formula. What is the magic formula? Or is history right? Every time taxes are flat and low, the actual revenue to the so-called government is actually bigger than it is when they implement these taxations of confiscatory levels that punish people for achieving. Because if that's the case, you might as well just all forget about it. And we can all pretend that Chicago is utopia. And we can all pretend that that uh, uh, little ugly politicians can decide how you live and when you work and what you keep. Because that's the way America is going. That is the, in fact, the trajectory of this country. The Democrat Party is not an American party anymore. It simply is not. It is a party that admits to you. In one form or another, it will create regulations, it will create taxation, it will use bureaucracies like Gestapo against the people who are silly enough to think they can keep the money they earn. We're double and triple and, ta- and, and quadruple taxing people. There is no such thing as corporate tax, yet that's all we hear. Corporate tax is merely a tax that you pay even though you say there's a company in the middle. They pass on that cost to you. Now, it's ironic. I've been watching these Democrats all of my life, and the majority of them are too stupid to understand they're punishing themselves. We're going to watch the news tonight. What's the under over? Is it 57? 57 will kill themselves. Each one of those kids costs society 18000 a year in just school, among other different programs. At what point do people figure out The ghettos they live in, the failure that we're surrounded in, the government corruption that we tolerate. We've all voted for it when we vote Democrat, when we do not correct Republicans, when we pretend that technocrats and frauds who marry them can somehow come up with formulas for a perfect society rather than focusing on the fact the biggest story in this is that $400 billion was stolen and the stupid idiot governments had no idea. And they're lying about the numbers now. Just like Medicaid, just like every one of their stupid programs, including Social Security, the Ponzi scheme of all. Greg LaGrange. Hey, happy Friday, Sean. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Very good. The thing that gets me the most is that this playbook's been tried a thousand times. You know, step one, demonize the rich. Step two, gin up the masses to have them fire up their pitchforks and their torches to go after them. Where's the wealth at in this country, Sean? It's with people like you and me that have saved and worked. Do you think, and I'm telling this not to you, but to the people, do you think that when the government has their belly full of money from these rich people, they're not going to want more? Are you kidding me? Well, what they've successfully done is grab the focus of society and manage to demonize other citizens rather than the fact you have a moron political whore for 50 years who just put forward a budget of $6 trillion after misappropriating funds for 50 years. Well, Joe Biden has been in office. This government, this country has gone into bankruptcy at his direction and his cohorts. And the, and the citizens that vote for this soggy bottom old man are simply wanting to implement more rules and restrictions on their fellow man. The ones, and I say this not loving his politics, but where in the world would this country be without billionaires like Jeff Bezos? What would you have done without companies that were created by billionaires that made you survive your house arrest over the last year and a half? Where would you be? I mean, the one you should be mad at are the politicians that think $400 billion and $6 trillion spending bills are normal. All right, we'll be back. If you're on the line and I didn't get to you, we've got a different format today. I'm going to take the calls at 6.05. We have a guest coming up from the Illinois Policy Institute. You're going to want to stay tuned. I'll be back after this.
me, Illinois, unfortunately, phenomenal state, used to be proud of it. I watched the Democrat mafia ruin the city of Chicago. I watched them ruin so many municipalities with their wannabe gangster slobs. I learned early on just the futility of trying to live in these confiscatory tax areas run by these wannabe gangsters. I found it to be despicable and disgusting. I give a lot of credit to the Illinois Policy Institute, primarily made up of young people, who continue to put the fight forward as they should. After all, they're the ones who really, really pay the costs and, ha- and have their futures stolen. Um, Miley Smith, we've talked before. You're a writer at the Illinois Policy Institute. And I wanted to yes, bring you on. thank you. I wanted yeah, to bring thank you. you. It's good to be back. Yes, thank you. And um, something scandalous has been going on and really not getting a lot of uh, attention. And that was the Janice case that was really kind of a, um, a Supreme Court case. It was brought in Illinois, and it really kind of harmed the ability for the labor mafia called unions. You know, the ones with the business agent with the stretch marks along their breast area there, and they always got the stains on their shirt. They drive around and extort workers. It really kind of said, look, you don't have to be shaken down by these gangster wannabes, and you can uh, go outside of the union. And it looked like it was having some progress. But lo and behold, they seem to wait until a Marxist takes the house in, in, at 1600 Pennsylvania, and they kind of work in the shadows to, to, to really strengthen the labor mafias called unions' positions in these Democrat-run areas. Has that happened again in Illinois? Can you, what was that last part? I'm sorry. Did that happen again in Illinois recently? Have they been working behind the scenes to strengthen their position? Yes. So... There is the General Assembly just passed what is a constitutional amendment that will appear on the ballot in 2022, November 2022, that it's framed as a right to work amendment. But the real crux of this amendment is that it gives government unions unchecked control um, over the people of Illinois. It's going to amount to a permanent tax hike because it. It, it will increase their powers of collective bargaining. Um, some of the language in this amendment, it creates a fundamental right to collective bargaining. So what it is doing is, is elevating the power of government unions to that position of, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Um, and it's going to amount to costly collective bargaining agreements, which would amount to a, a permanent income or a permanent tax hike on the people of Illinois. And the reality and the reality is that unions in the private sector have been at their lowest numbers in recorded history. Unions in the private sector even though they operate differently, have to face competition. But the unions in the government sector have absolutely no competition and work hand-in-glove with the politicians that in Illinois tend to be indicted on so many times and so many levels that they really just drive up the cost for the taxpayer who has virtually no vote in it. And when we wiggle, we keep hearing, well, it's a promise, you know, the kind that we never made, but yet we have to pay. And that's really the goal here, isn't it? That's that's exactly right. So they already, government unions in Illinois, and and I I make sure that I say government unions, we're talking about the leadership. We're not talking about the rank-and-file workers who are stuck in this system, and thankfully were freed by the Janus versus AFSCME decision if they don't want to be a part of the union. Um, But government government union leaders already have a monopoly here in the state. You're right. They sit across the bargaining table from the bosses that they help elect. Their contributions and the millions of dollars go to the people that they sit across from the bargaining table with. And they have the right here to go out, most government workers have the right here to go out on strike. We saw this with Chicago Teachers Union, and you and I talked about Chicago's Teachers Union earlier this year, where they demand and demand and demand all sorts of things and then they go out on strike if they don't get it. What this amendment will do will enshrine that in the Constitution. So if lawmakers by chance were to decide in another year or five years or 10 years, like, wow, this is a really bad idea, they will be stuck. They won't be able to go back and fix this without another constitutional amendment. Now, you have a tendency at the Illinois Policy Institute to kind of 
I don't want to use the word pull, but you have your finger on the pulse of the citizens in Illinois who are still optimistic enough to try and fight rather than admit it is a mafia state. Is the is the feeling among the citizens in Illinois that this is as atrocious as I view it? Or is it that they simply want to get a job for their nephew who is too stupid to take the cork off the fork on Thanksgiving? I think this amendment is going to make people irate. Um, We already know that the last six months have been a wake-up call for parents across the state, parents who now see they have no control over their kids' education because their kids' education is, and whether or not they even get to go to school, is decided by a teacher's union. We have already seen that, that, that people are aware now of the kind of power government unions have. And, you know, we're still a year and a half about out from when they will vote on this. So, you know, word is still getting out. I think that in terms of like polling or or surveying, you know, we don't know yet how it's going to poll right now, but we still are months away from when this will actually be on the ballot. Now, there was a a bill, and you'll have to forgive me, um, the, the, the numbering is escaping me, but there was a bill put forward that took pub or, um, Catholic schools, parochial schools, and private schools, and kind of took away their ability to resist Pritzker's, um, you know, shutdown right. and sending them home. Whatever happened with that? Did he sign that into law? Has he been able to? Has Illinois been able to successfully confiscate the rights of private schools uh, in Illinois so that they could not, um, so that they could operate versus they need Pritzker's rubber stamp. Was he successful in taking away their, their private school ability to, to maintain staying open during this last COVID shutdown? Not yet, but it is still potentially on the table. So the session ended, that was HB 2789. The session ended and it was not, it was passed in the house, not in the Senate. But we do know that according to like the, the website, the, the, GA, the General Assembly's website, that the Senate appears to be considering that when it comes back in session next week on the, on the 15th. So there is the possibility that the Senate will consider it. Now that we are outside of the regular session, though, it would require a two-thirds majority, so a supermajority, and then it would have to go back to the House. Now, whether or not it passes at this point in time and they they focus on it that's still to be determined i know that there's an energy bill and the chicago um school board bill that are pending and are kind of the focus of things right now but there is still the potential that this bill could come back and the state could basically force private schools who are successful in opening this year into a construct in the future where the state has control over that that's not good news. I thought you were going to be a little it's bit more with good news. And and um, I wanted to also go back uh, to the to the union bill because I, I didn't ask sure. you this and I meant to. What's the what's the um, consequences for the private sector? Should this pass? Yeah, great question. So there's consequences for the private sector and consequences for the, the public sector. On the private sector side, the only thing that the state can really do is ban right to work in the state. The private sector and the relationships between employers and unions is, for the most part, governed by federal law. The one and only carve-out is the right-to-work issue. So the state could decide we're not going to do right-to-work. Now, they've basically already decided that because we don't have right-to-work. <laughs> so in, in that respect, on the practical side of things, there would be no change in the private sector. Um, the, the long-term difference would be it would forever be banned in the state of Illinois. And if, if lawmakers were to decide, wow, we want, we have done the wrong thing here, the majority of other states and all of our neighbors, but Missouri, are right to work, maybe we should get on board. If this amendment passes, they won't be able to do that because it would be in the Constitution. And the reality is, where these states do not have right to work, where these unions are the strongest, these states are in the worst fiscal shape. Illinois implementing this at a time when Illinois is already bankrupt and living on welfare from other states. Has, have you guys calculated, like, the time of implosion? Or, I mean, 
First of all, how does it get worse? Is it just that they're just going to, you know, this is going to affect the money in the state. What's the game plan here? It will. It will affect the money in the state. It will affect jobs. The game plan here is that this is a public, a government union boss power play. They will be taking over what is traditionally reserved to lawmakers. So I think some examples um, of, of how extreme this could get are with the Chicago Teachers Union. We've already see, seen that they like have placed demands um, in negotiations uh, with regard to like rent abatement and defunding the police. This a constitutional amendment would allow all government unions in Illinois to negotiate over anything and everything. It's wages, hours, working conditions, economic welfare, safety. I will note that none of that is defined. It's all very vague. So what that means could be that the CTU does go in and demands rent abatement and things like that. Um, and, and because they have a right to strike, in Illinois, if they don't get what they want, they will have an easier time going out on strike. Another example would be police unions. Um, you know, we, we know that there are issues in the FOP contract in Chicago with regard to investigation and discipline of officers who have been accused of something. Um, there, there would be nothing that lawmakers could do to keep those kind of provisions out of collective bargaining agreements. Well, I mean, the only good news is the Illinois citizens are kind of used to stuff not getting done. They're used to the orange cones on the expressway for three years without seeing any work done. They're used to the driving down the Eisenhower and it looking like you're driving through a trash can. So in a certain sense, maybe if they go on strike, I mean, the citizens kind of used to them not doing anything. Maybe it won't be as bad as I think it will. What do you say? Well, you know, it's interesting. Right now, Illinois workers don't need this bill. The, the rights that are granted through this amendment are things that they already have the power to do. They already have the power to negotiate over wages and hours and working conditions. They already have the power to be represented by a, a government union. Um, so in, in those sorts of terms, this is what they already have, which is another reason why this amendment doesn't make any sense. They don't need this amendment to protect their own freedoms. This mm-hmm. is all about the government union power play. More good news for the Democrat utopia that is Illinois. She's Miley Smith, writer for the Illinois Policy <laughs> Institute. Thank you so much for coming on, Miley. I Thank look forward you. to the next time. Thank All you. right. Thank you. Bye. We'll, we'll be back with your calls and comments. 312-642-5600 after this. So that's Friday. That's Friday. I am glad it's Friday. Although I... Uh, this week went fast. A lot of topics to get to. Uh, I wanted to touch upon... The union boss, and I don't mean Marty Walsh, the union boss in times in his career riddled in scandal, who's now the labor secretary of the United States of America, thanks to the Democrat mafia. There was a union boss for the UAW. He uh, was in a scandal. They raided his house. He misappropriated millions. He was um, plotting to steal one point five million. Anybody want to guess how much time he's going to get in prison? He was sentenced yesterday, one day ago. 28 months, 28 months. The reason that I am so anti-union is because it stifles the achievement of the worker. It incentivizes them not to work. It teaches them how to make a maximum and produce a minimum. I know I could, a lot of people are have union. I have family union members. I know people who were in unions for decades. I, at times, were in a union. There comes a time when the people of this country are going to be taken so advantage of there's going to be an uproar. I want it to be now. We cannot afford to go deeper into this Marxist failure we are now calling the American political system. I'll be back after this. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now... With personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like on top of me, so everybody just follow me. Right, so 
Fantastic Friday. We're going to do the the movie pick. I may push it back segment, too, because I got a lot I want to get to. There's so much I wanted to get to. And you've all heard the clips of Harris, right? You all uh, understand my view of Soggy Bottom, Biden. I, it, it's astonishing to me when you see the people that make up the hierarchy of the American Marxist Party. It's, it's, it's just, you say to yourself, do, you, do they not have standards? It's funny, they made fun of uh, Trump's appearance. They, he had such a personality that just simply out of dislike, they refused to look at the policies that were implemented. They refused to acknowledge the benefits to society that was created under the Trump administration. They don't even like saying his name. They're embarrassed. They were embarrassed by Donald Trump's hairdo. And they felt that the world or America had less dignity. As we watch this pathetic excuse of a man called the president of the United States now meander around Europe like Bernie goes to Europe or some it's 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 like a comedy skit and the wife with the jacket. She's trying to imitate Melania. The whole thing is just despicable to me. But I've always felt this way about Democrats, even those pseudo intellectuals who live in their mommy and daddy's house in Oak Park and Evanston and all over the the trust fund baby belt as they practice or they, they preach Marxism and they practice capitalism or even worse, they practice outright skullduggery and greed through tax avoidance like the Pritzkers and all of it. They're just a certain people. I just can't stomach the lot of them. In fact, if I'm at a party and there's one in the room, I just get disgusted and I exit. That's why I don't stay anywhere. I have a couple of friends. They make fun of me. They call me Flash. If I'm uncomfortable, I get the hell out of there. Kind of felt that way about Illinois. But as you're forced to see them on the news, you remember so much about the propagandists that they are. So much disgrace in their own history. You know, it's funny. Um, Misty has to always tell the, the people in the studio, you know, if I'm going to be in town or whatever the case is. So I said, get the clip that says, where in the world is Matt Lauer? By the way, where in the world is Matt Lauer? You remember how Matt Lauer, the most popular guy on news, he happened to have a little lock in his door and he was a molester. But aside from that, where is he? Is there any scandal, though, that these wretched human beings, wretched American Marxists, frauds that they are, that they would ever be so ashamed they would just crawl away. Jeffrey Tubin proves that there is not. There is nothing. Now, there's a simple rule, simple rule when you're on a Zoom call. Don't swear and don't whip it out. It's not rocket science. Simple. Don't swear and don't whip it out. Jeffrey Tubin needs a job so bad. He has such low dignity that he actually went on CNN and put himself through an interview that was funny at first and just disgraceful in the end. Let's bring in CNN chief legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin chief to talk about analyst. this and more. Hi, Jeffrey. Hello, Allison. It's been a while. It has been a while, indeed. I feel like we should address um, what's happened in the months since we've seen you, since some of our viewers may not know what has. Now, now before I let him embarrass himself, I know a lot of lawyers. A lot of lawyers. I have, I have my my favorites. One of my favorites is the 380 pounds of free legal advice that comes in the cigar store. I love the big son of a gun. I do. But I recognized a long time ago, not just because my best friend became a lawyer and I would visit him in law school and embarrass the hell out of him every weekend. But I noticed a long time ago that lawyers, for the most part, hide behind that, that suit. They hide behind it. They're really insecure. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Insecure guys who kind of get that that license and they say to themselves and it's kind of a well-known thing it's a license to steal because you pretty much represent people and you take a piece when they get hurt and all of the nonsense but so many of them vote uh, with an ideology that is against their profession the idea that there are democrat lawyers shows you just how low esteem they have they know that they're they're smart enough to understand they support an ideology that is against the principles of their profession. Marxism doesn't have any lawyers. There's no such thing as a lawyer in Cuba. There are no lawyers in Venezuela. There were no lawyers in the Soviet Union. And, and Mao's China had no lawyers as well. So when I see a, a Marxist legal analyst 
the the duality of that makes me laugh, let alone when they humiliate themselves and their family so much so that Tubin will always mean something else. Happened, so uh, I guess I'll recap. I'll do the honors. Help yourself. Okay. Um, in October, you were on a Zoom call with your colleagues from the New Yorker magazine. Everyone took a break for several minutes, during which time you were caught masturbating on camera. This is on TV. Uh, you were subsequently fired from that job after 27 years of working there. And you, since then, have been on leave from CNN. Do I have all that right? Um, you got it all right. Sad to say. Shameless. Okay, so let's start there. Okay. Um, to quote Jay Leno, what the hell were you thinking? Well, obviously, uh, I wasn't thinking very well or very much. And um, it was something that was inexplicable to me. I think one point, I, I wouldn't exactly say in my defense because nothing. Now, this is the best part about a lawyer. By the end of this, he's going to be the victim versus the 27 years he was disappearing in the closet to just pleasure himself during the normal course of his day. Thing is really in my defense. I didn't think I was on the call. I didn't think other people could see me. So listen, so, I, 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 listen I'm, I'm, I'm 53 years old. My friends are all old. I don't know anybody who in the middle of the day says, well, nobody's watching and uh, I'm not on a Zoom call. What do you say I uh, pleasure myself into oblivion? I, I, it's just not something that happens for the most part. And thankfully, I grew up in a neighborhood and I was relatively attractive. I never really had to partake in that much myself. That you had turned off your camera? Uh, correct. I thought that I had turned off the Zoom call. Now, oh, that that's not a good. defense. This was deeply moronic and indefensible. But, I mean, that, that, is, part of, that, that is part of the story. Um, and, you know, I have spent the seven... That is the story, you idiot. You'll be back tomorrow to be an expert on Marxist law. What? They have absolutely zero shame. Zero dignity. Zero self-respect. That's why it's so easy for them to subscribe to a philosophy that takes away the humanity, the simple humanity of everyone. That's the undercurrent of every philosophy these Marxists have. They have no sense of, 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 of dignity, of person, of anything. And they're shameless. The idea that he would sleep back on TV and think that tomorrow he can come on and has any credibility would be outrageous, except he does. Because among Democrats, as long as you're in their club, you're held harmless from all embarrassments. Like the embarrassment we watch on a daily basis pretending to be the leader of the free world. Riddled in scandal after scandal. There is no scandal that can humiliate them. That's why when you go to these little, these little nooks of mafia strongholds like Illinois, the scandal after scandal of not just aldermen going to prison, caught with their hand in the cookie jar, but literally their party is led by unscrupulous scum like Mike Madigan, and they simply just move him out, move the next one in. This can only be... Allowed because the people who make up the party have so little self-respect, so little dignity for humanity, that when they have a chance to speak to a crowd, they, they really kind of promote it. Now, I played this clip at the end of my show yesterday. I didn't get a chance to play it. You think this is going to go away when we lose these baby boomer commies? You're wrong. There's a new crop without any sense of humanity, any scruples. Any sense of right and wrong. And they're called valedictorians. I'm not usually very good at expressing my gratitude for the people that I care about. Um, but I would like to say thank you to Coach. I think he's had a bigger role in my life than he realizes. Okay. As we leave high school, we need to make our voices heard. Today I was going to talk about TV and media and content because it's something that's very important to me. However under, however, under light of recent events, it feels wrong to talk about anything but what is currently affecting me and millions of other women in the state. Recently, the heartbeat bill was passed in Texas. 
Starting in September, there will be a ban on abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, regardless of whether the pregnancy was a result of rape or incest. Six weeks. That's all women get. And so before they realize, most of them don't realize that they're pregnant by six weeks. So before they have a chance to decide if they are emotionally, physically, and financially stable enough to carry out a full-term pregnancy, before they have the chance to decide if they can take on the responsibility of bringing another human being into the world, that decision is made for them by a stranger. A decision that will affect the rest of their lives is made by a stranger. She's talking about the right to kill her baby as if it's a right. No dignity, no humanity, no sense of morals or values. It's, it's, you didn't think the two stories are connected, and I know there was a bet in the office. I just won $20. No one said I could play a, a clip of uh, Tubin and abortion and tie it together, but they're wrong. They are tied together, and they're tied together with an ideology that has contempt for all dignity, all humanity, all self-worth. This is a, a time in America. This is a time in the world where I'm baffled. I'm baffled. I'm baffled at the tolerance of people to have fools and children and morons and Marxists pretend to have expertise, dignity, self-worth, or a sense of respect for their fellow human. When through every action of every day, they prove they don't. It's a despicable time. And it's a disgraceful party. These are two Democrats. Have a common fundamental denominator and that is they hate themselves and they hate their fellow man and beware when they get in power 312-642-5600 i'll take your calls when i get back clowns to the left of me jokers to the right here i am stuck in the middle perfect with you song. perfect song. i'm stuck in the middle with you two astonishing clips as far as i'm concerned the money i've wasted in not being willing to tube in myself is astonishing just that one fact but the idea that a girl graduating high school in the year 2021 and everything facing society and the thing that irritates her the most is that if the baby lives over six weeks, she can't kill it. I mean, I'm sorry. That's just a fact. And the idea that she, they all hide behind the rape and incest. Do you know that even by USA Today, that is less than 1%, less than 1% of all Pregnancies. Now, me, I would argue what fault of that is the baby's. I understand it's an argument where you have to actually think that there is a human being aside from an act. And that's where the, it gets a little sticky. Kind of like Tubin. Huh, see what I did there. Tom, Blue Island. Sean, you're a good man. You raised two daughters. I were about the same age. I've been divorced for uh, 10, 12 years. I had one son, and I remember thinking of how glad I was never to have a daughter. Well, my Misty, and I always joke around with Misty Callahan a little bit because my current wife, Misty, I never intended on uh, having any other children. When I met her, she came along with a two-year-old girl named Emily, and I'm the only father she's ever had. And I remember being glad I never had a daughter uh, because of this kind of stuff. But I ended up with her, and she's great, and she's 17 now. Who in the world, whoever these this girl's parents are, have to be the most despicable people. How can a young lady graduate high school and this is what she's thinking Tom, about. I'm not willing to condemn the parents because this is probably something she was influenced by by the Marxist teacher she encountered I'm not I'm not a hundred percent willing to make that leap but I do I do get what you're saying but this is a this is a young girl who has been brainwashed and she's also been she's been taught to avoid just exactly what pregnancy means what is inside of her and the importance of that individual and the rights of that baby to live. So she's been well, she's been brainwashed, yeah. and it's shown. And uh, good for you for raising the little girl. I think that's wonderful. And by the way, the reason I didn't want a son was the uh, Jeffrey Tubin story, among so many other half men I see in the world. Steve and Huntley. 
Hey, Sean, great, uh, great show again. Hey, on that, on that uh, point, ho- holy smoke, she's, you know, after six weeks, she goes, she realizes, oh, my gosh, I'm pregnant? Like, well, how'd that happen? My, oh my favorite gosh. part. My favorite part is when she said, if I'm financially ready, if I'm emotionally ready. And I kept thinking to myself, who's ever financially or emotionally ready? And if you wait for all oh, things God, to be. Yes. But 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 who also doesn't focus on the excitement of there is a baby that is half me and half of that girl. And I am going to well, meet it. I mean, it is it well, is a detachment from reality that allows a society to 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 let mothers get away with a murder. You know, how many mobsters, I, you know how many mobsters that would, would kill guys all over? They go away for 35 years. They're killing strangers who, by the way, were rats as human beings, right, number one. Yet a mother can yeah. kill an absolutely, the picture of innocence, her own child, and walk scot-free. And in Illinois, they don't pay for it. It's a, it's a fascinating development well, if you look at it just on the facts, Steve. And the irresponsibility of what well, she knew that there was potentially an act and not following up to see if she is pregnant, and then, you know, if, if nothing else, take a morning-after pill to, to let the child go to the point where it can feel pain. Um, because it's not a person. Because it's not a person, and that's the other thing. That's the fundamental philosophy of someone willing to kill their own child. If their own child is not a person with rights, do you think they think that somebody who disagrees with them on issues is? you think they respect people who disagree with them? This is a character tell. This is a flaw. This is a this is an evil that you really can't wrap your head around. Diana Lombard. Hello. Hi. Um, the, you guys stole my thunder. Oh, I so, too. Um, kids, now that's okay. I'm just it's a, it's a the subject is incredibly important. Um, kids that are having sex need to understand, and, and I don't even understand how they can't understand. You're gonna have sex. One of these days, you're going to get pregnant. So, yeah, yeah. you make a decision to have and, and, you know, Diana, some of, those, are- some of those accidents are incredible people. And you know who I always point to when I talk to a Democrat who an accident turned out, I disagree on completely everything they think, but was an accident and was an incredible person? His name is Barack Obama. Barack Obama is the, is the product of a 17-year-old schoolgirl and a 33-year-old married man. If that woman would have exercised the philosophy he promotes, Barack Obama would not exist. Barack Obama is the greatest argument against abortion. And see what a Democrat has to say to that. Thank you so much, Diane. I appreciate it. You see what we did there? Kevin on the south side. Sean, uh, great show. I just want to point out uh, a little theory I have here. CNN, uh, ever since Trump is out of office, their ratings have tanked so bad. Uh, I think they're bringing back Jeffrey Tubin. You think they're going the porn? That, uh, you think they're going after you porn? He gets caught. Yeah, yeah. All right. See <laughs> Maybe they're hoping that it'll boost the ratings. I never thought of it. It's a business plan. Now, listen, Maurice, Susan, whoever else is going through the processing with Misty Callahan, you hang on. I'm going to take your calls. We're going to push back the, the film thing, and then we're going to do the film thing. All right? So we'll be back after this with your calls. <laughs> Now, I decided to uh, stick with this topic because Maurice in Berwyn is on the line, and I wanted to take this call. Maurice, how are you? Hello, Sean. So I just want to make some couple, just two quick points. One is I, I can remember being a kid on the west side of Chicago in the 80s in huh. a time of low resources, and there were people getting abortions because it was just the best option. In comparison to if you had, if you chose to have your kids, I remember the the thing that hey look at that welfare queen you know you, oh they have four or five but, kids and so I can remember people making that choice because they had I mean you have a kid and you can't take care of it and the outside world sometimes like hey you have a kid now take care of it and but you, but, but is this something that you agree with or is this something you're just commenting no on? I don't agree with it okay. I I am pro choice because I feel. As a guy, I have no dog in the fight. It's woman. Maurice, body. I'm going to help you with this because you've called me before and I like you, so I'm going to I'm going to help you with this. I, mean, sure. I always say this: if I saw you in a bar, I would buy you a drink. 
Oh, I and I, and I, 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 I remember that, and that's why we're going to have this conversation. Because to me, yes. and I say this to you, Maurice, right now, in an argument with my daughter, that if I, if I saw her, I, 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 I would be yelling at her like you cannot believe. But there is something that happens when you have a kid. And that what that is, is you do have a dog in the fight. Because this is a kid that whether you screw up the parenting or whatever is is a different argument but this is a kid that when it's born it is a it is a reflection of the best thing in you and the best thing in the woman you have had sex with and this kid is a is a person unto itself that has the ability and whether i disagree with him or not to achieve the heights of barack obama and i mean that this is very something very very important now to people of a minority status it's very important that you understand where this idea came from of a corporation that would provide this service. This is the brainchild of a well-known racist, Marguerite Sanger. I, I know the history, but Sean's life on the West Side in the 80s was not magic. It was I, I, hard. I'm not it suggesting. And you, know, you know, listen, one of my closest friends, although I would never admit it to him, one of my closest friends and somebody who is very important to many people, whether they know it or not, is somebody who was given up for adoption prior to Roe v. Wade. And to me, it, it solidifies the importance of that baby and the untapped potential of that baby. And to make that baby pay for a, a crime or a situation of the parents is truly the de definition of evil. And a society that is willing to kill its children has no future. And the idea that, that we, should, we should allow this, this killing field of a planned parenthood or an ideology that says if you it's not a good time for you then kill somebody and kill the baby who would be a financial draw i mean maurice it is such a such an illogical argument to me and it's also something maurice have, go yeah i would say this: you do a fantastic job explaining conservative points better than anyone i see on any talk show i will say that you do a fantastic job, Sean. That's why I do listen to you even when you yell at me sometimes. Thank you. That's all right. I'm not yelling at you, but go ahead. I just want you to, to, to understand the greatest potential in life itself is a baby. It's the, the older people that have want to rule over society or support a, a, a philosophy that says it's okay to kill somebody if they're a burden is not the kind of person you should turn to for solutions of society. That's the exact opposite person that should be in charge of any kind of government. That's a person that will look at a baby, the most innocent thing on the planet, and say, time's not right, kid. We got to whack you. Like I said, Maurice, I grew up with gangsters, brother. I know guys that would punch you in the face, stab you in the neck, and sit down and eat a steak. And they would never harm a baby. It is an evil that we've talked ourselves into. And that is the philosophy of the very well-known racist named Marguerite Sanger. In fact, there's something that I think people should be aware of. She spoke to the Ku Klux Klan in 1939, and she said we should have an industry that eliminates minorities specifically and hires minorities to do so because they'll trust each other. This is an evil industry, Maurice, and they targeted your race specifically, so you should fight against it the hardest. Thank you so much for the call, and I look forward to that drink. Susan, Highland Park. You've struck a chord tonight, and first I want to thank you for espousing the same viewpoints and getting them across. And okay. I think it's important that you're setting the male perspective that this isn't right. I have two of the finest adopted nieces and nephews. Had their birth mothers chosen not to follow through, I would never have met two of the finest people I've met in my life. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to leave your listeners with the thought that we look at all the evils in that world and all the things that go wrong. What's the cure for AIDS? What if we were murdering and that baby was intended to discover the cure for AIDS? Exactly. It is, it, is, it, is, it is an act that stifles the possibility of what could be. And that's why it's evil, Susan, and thank you very much. And by the way, the person I was referring to is what would 560 do without one Dan Proft? One of the greatest examples of why you don't do it. Robert in Bloomingdale, last call. Yeah, how you doing, Sean? Good, how are you? Good. Now, as a Knights of Columbus member and proud of it, the bottom line is we have to overturn, hopefully the Supreme Court will overturn Roe v. Wade by October. Uh -huh. And I want to say, too, the vice president actually thinks that we're a white supremacist group. What do you think about that? 
I think the, the vice president is a moron, and she got her job because she's the best date in the office, which is why I call her Nooner Harris, and she continues to embarrass herself every time she opens her stupid mouth for talking. I appreciate the call. Now, listen, we're going to go. We're going to do the movies with me when I get back. I went long. I want you to chime in. I've got a very good movie and a ridiculous show that you will make fun of me for, but that's okay because you made fun of me for the UFOs. Now look at you. You're looking for the aliens to bail you out. That and more when I get back. Let's all go to the live. Let's go to the movie. It's time for Friday Features with Sean. And now, on with the show. All right. So this is the t- this is when you call me up, 312-642-5600. Give me a movie and a documentary. Now, the movie I'm going to give you, I may have mentioned it, but I didn't. I don't think I spoke about it at length. An American Pickle. I'm going to tell you, Seth Rogen, who I normally make fun of, who I don't really like, plays a dual role. And the premise is ridiculous. It's preposterous. It's that his great-grandfather comes over after he, uh, he, he, he grew up in a totalitarian Soviet state. He finally makes his way to America. They have, they're about to have a baby. He never meets the baby. He falls into a vat. The only job he could get was at a pickle factory. And he is hibernated for 100 years and wakes up. And Seth Rogen is his only relative. But to see it, it does a wonderful job of taking the lifestyle of somebody from 100 years ago and introducing it to our spoiled brat version of reality today. And the simple things that this man lived by, the simple principles, the simple rules... I found it to be very good, very funny, and I highly, highly recommend it. Now, as for documentaries. All right, we didn't get anybody to call yet. People have no movies. 312-642-5600. Come on, not only me hanging. The uh, documentary, Unsolved History. Every week, they're they're in their second season. Every week, they come out with a new documentary about unsolved events or events that we've been fed propaganda from JFK to the rest of it, and they go through the science of the things in history we've been told. And I think after you watch it enough, you'll understand that maybe the government's interpretation of things is something we should question. Um, Along with that, Berlin... 1945. It's all, it's a documentary that shows Berlin in 1945 through real film footage and survivors of exactly what went down there. And the similarities between the Third Reich and the Fourth Reich, I think you'll be able to make the connections. You're all smart enough. Now, to embarrass myself to my treasured, loved audience, even some of the knuckleheads out there that don't like me. That's okay, because I'm willing to embarrass myself. You made fun of me when I talked about UFOs. Now it's in every news story. It is a ridiculous show on Netflix. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I love it. it takes me out of reality. It's, it's ridiculous. Lucifer. They've now added the, to the, uh, the fifth season. They've added new episodes. I highly, highly recommend it. Angelina, Oak Park. Hi. Hi. Um, my movie is Dinner Rush with uh, Danny Aiello and John Corbett. Did you ever see it? Do you want to know something? I love Danny Aiello. I have an uncle that was married into my family. That, that I'm telling mm-hmm. you, it's like it's like talking to Danny Aiello. I love him to death. And well, uh, I did uh-huh. not see it. And it's called. I'm writing oh. this down. It's called. Cause I'm gonna, You'll love it. I have to fly this weekend. I'm going to download this movie, and I'm going to watch okay. it on the plane. All right. Another movie, real quick. You know that actor Michael Rispoli. Is that his name? Michael Rispoli. I think he's Italian guy. Anyway, two family house. Two fam- oh, wait, I did see this. Yes. Is this with Mark Wahlberg? No, oh. no, it's not with Mark Wahlberg, no. Uh, uh, oh, no, that's Instant yeah. Family. That's Instant Family, yeah. never mind. Mm-hmm. Two Family, family house. house. And that one's based on a true story. All right, I'm going to watch both. Angelina, okay, yeah, let me- thank mm-hmm. you so much for making the call. Do you, you, you see a documentary you like? Uh, well, I, The Men Who Built America. It was on uh, uh, oh, Amazon. I, I just watched yeah. that. Did you see it? Yeah, that was good. Saw and every one of them. Love it. Maybe we should take that and send it to Washington because it certainly wasn't politicians that built America. Thank you, Angelina. I so appreciate it. Is this Greg in Lowell, Indiana with the postman again? Greg, you've been hanging around with Tubin so much. Hang on. I'm going to get to Nikki in Oak Park. <laughs> hey, Greg. Hey, Nikki. How are you? 
fine. Um, I don't know if you've seen this or someone else has called in about it. It's called Death to Smoochie. Oh. It's with Robin Williams. No, but I love him And it's him about, uh, it's, it's like a dark comedy. All right, give me the title again. I couldn't hear it right away. What was it? Death to Smoochie. Death to Smoochie. All right. And it's about, it's supposed to be about how um, the behind the scenes uh, uh, fighting and infighting and politics of children's shows. And uh, it's Ed Norton and uh, Robin Williams. I think it's hilarious. Ed Norton has never made a bad movie. I love him to death. And, and when he plays the kid with Tourette's, it's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Motherless Brooklyn. Did you see that? Yeah, I oh, did it. I'm going to have to. I, I still laugh. I still laugh. Thank you so much, Nikki. I really appreciate it. And Greg and Lola, Indiana, I did you a disservice. I was thinking the postman rings twice. You're actually talking about the postman with Kevin Costner, no, no, right? No, no, neg- negative, negative. Right. Not the we're, postman rings twice. All right, Just which one are you the postman with Kevin Costner. Right. Very good movie. Old movie. I love it to the death. No, no, no. Brand new movie. Brand new movie, Sean. Oh, it's a brand new the movie. Postman with Kevin Costner. Really? And it's also a new movie. Code 8. It predicts exactly what's going on right now, right today. you got to watch them both. I'm glad I took this this paper from the cigar store that I go to in Naples, Florida. They won't miss it, and I need it. Thank you so much, Greg. I appreciate it. David Lansing. Hi, i got a movie and a, and a documentary for people to watch. Right. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger shouldn't stay out of politics, but he's great in this one. Predator, because it's hot and humid out. I can see it again and again. It's like cats. All right. <laughs> what else? It's an old movie. We should have a limit, although I do like some old movies. But go ahead. What's the, the documentary? And the documentary is extremely obscure. I think I saw it on YouTube, and I hate to promote Google, but I think, you know, if you do an internet search, try not to watch it on YouTube, but it's called How Big Oil Took Over the Earth, and it has the history of the Rockefellers, and it was mind-boggling. I didn't know they were into big pharma and all yeah. this stuff in yeah. the 50s. Read, mean, read, read, the book, read the book Titan. And you will get a different appreciation for the Rockefeller family. The kids screwed it up, but the old man was a genius. And you'll also understand exactly how stupid the antitrust laws are. JP in his car. Hey, how's it going, Sean? Wonderful, JP. How are you? Cool, man. I'm doing good. Listening uh, to you, I was thinking about Childhood's End. It's a sci-fi three-part series. I had to download it and share it with a few people because I thought it was like, man, it touched I like sci-fi. Like, uh, Childhood's End. All right, writing it down. Childhood's End, especially part one. Part two and three are okay, but part one was like, whoa, what an ending, man, on that. And real quick, on a documentary, Netflix, Cuba and the Cameraman. Being a, that I'm Cuban, I thought I wanted to see this thing, and it was like, wow. It's I think really, I did really see. It's about, you know, my my dear friend you? is Cuban, and I think I did. Why is it an older one, like a few years old? Uh, it's a few years, yeah, but it's about a fifty uh, five decade uh, documentary about this cameraman going back to Cuba. Yes, and you yes. Can see things JP, we got to go. Thank stuff. you for the call. It was a great weekend. If I left you on the line, I apologize, but there's always Monday. Have a great weekend. I wish you a Democrat free couple of days. Talk to you Monday. Goodbye and good riddance. She don't believe in shooting stars, but she believe in shoes.